0: Welcome. book club with michael smirconish is now in session george mitchell has had an unbelievable career he served as a democratic senator from maine from 1980 to 1995 saw a lot of change in those years he was the senate majority leader from 89 to 95 he was the primary architect of the 1998 good friday agreement for peace in northern ireland chairman of the walt disney company u.s special envoy for the middle east author of the Mitchell Report on the Use of Performance-Enhancing Drugs in Baseball, and awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 1999. In his new memoir, The Negotiator, Reflections of an American Life, he gives a different perspective into how his early life and work behind the scenes helped lead to some of the most important policy decisions of the last four decades. Whether describing how his brother Robbie helped inspire his desire to be in, as he puts it, management, or how the then-senior senator from Maine, Bill Cohen, a Republican-inspired Mitchell's campaign for the most important position in the Senate. The negotiator details the private, the emotional story of how the child of an orphaned immigrant and a Lebanese immigrant from, as he calls it, a slum in Waterville, Maine, became an architect of the Good Friday Agreement, and so much more. This is Senator George Mitchell. Senator, thanks so much for coming back to the program.
1: Okay. Glad if I were to, to be ask- here.
0: If I were to ask you for a match, would you be able to supply one?
1: (laughs) No, unfortunately. I don't carry matches. I carried them for about 10 years of my life. But tell everybody everybody why
0: you carried matches.
1: I was a young man, 22 years old, serving as an officer in the U.S. Army Intelligence in Berlin, Germany. And I went on on a vacation a week off with a couple of friends of mine. We were in Paris late one night out you know, like a bunch of young guys in Paris. Uh, and we were crossing, walking across one of the bridges over the River Seine, and we saw some lights and a few people. And we walked over, and there was a movie being made. It was, The movie was Anastasia, starring Ingrid Bergman. Then, of course, uh, one of the most famous actresses in the world, very beautiful Swedish actress. There was hardly anybody there because it was the middle of the night and kind of drizzly so we walked right up and watched the scene being filmed, standing right next to the cameraman on this movable dolly. And uh, then, to my complete surprise, she looked at me, and she walked over toward me. I thought, God, this is incredible. (laughs) And she walked right up to me and pulled out a cigarette and said, do you have a light? And of course, I, I didn't smoke. I'd never smoked, so I knew I didn't have any matches, but instinctively to prolong the moment I went through the process of fishing through all my pockets, couldn't find a match, (laughs) there was a technician standing about 10 feet away, and I said, well, I'll go ask him for a match. He said, no, no, that's okay, I'll go. And so she walked over. He had a match. He lit her cigarette, and they talked for a five minutes maybe while I stood there enviously wondering what they were talking and thinking that could have been me talking to angry Bergman so for about 10 years after that I carried matches just in case I ran into her again that was Miracle!
0: that is great hey if, if you'd had a match who knows what fork in the road you know what turn you would perhaps you wouldn't have ended up in the United States Senate and done all these other things
1: uh, that's true. You never know in life. Uh, life doesn't go in a straight line. It zigs, it zags, it goes forward and backward, and you got to be ready for everything.
0: I wanted to know what George Mitchell did as a youth, specifically what jobs you held, because when I think of you, it's it's just this never-ending string of achievements. I learned that you delivered newspapers during the school year, very cold mornings, you said. You also yes. picked beans during the summers, very hot days. You thought they were massive fields, but you then came to learn that in comparison to migrant workers in Arizona and California, maybe not so much. What other jobs did George Mitchell do?
1: Uh, I used to wash cars in a uh, a, a used car dealership uh, quite a bit in the afternoons. Uh, I I served as a janitor at our local boys club, which I didn't mind sweeping the floors and dusting the desks, but I hated cleaning the latrines. You can imagine a couple of hundred young boys going there at 9 o'clock at night and having to clean every bathroom, boy, that really gave me a spur for more education. I did the same thing on a building next door. And then I worked my way through college by a number of jobs that were arranged for me through the college itself. Uh, I was an advertising salesman. Uh, I drove trucks uh, for a local oil distributorship, huge flatbed trucks, big oil trucks, I served as the proctor in our dormitory. That got me free room. A director of the fraternity house. That got me free meals. So I pretty much worked my way all through school, and then in law school, I went to school at night and worked full time during the day as an insurance adjuster. So the one thing we learned from our parents is you got to work.
0: In which of those positions? Obviously not the the latrine cleaner, but but throughout your distinguished career, the Senate and all that followed. In which of those jobs have you been happiest?
1: I've really enjoyed every job I've ever had. Uh, I, I don't know. I just feel like when you got something to do, you do the best you can at it, and things will work out well. And it has done so. I guess overall, I I really loved being a federal judge in Maine. Uh, I had complete independence—literally complete independence. Uh, guided only by you know the law and my own conscience and standards of what's right and wrong. I didn't do it for very long, and I agonized very long and hard over whether to leave it to enter the Senate. I finally did so, but I've always felt that that year or so, or a little bit less than that, that I served as a federal judge was about as good as things get in life.
0: I was surprised to read in the memoir, The Negotiator, that that a younger George Mitchell, upon graduating from Georgetown Law, was rejected from several firms back at Maine and perhaps would not have ended up at the Justice Department if that road had taken a different turn.
1: That's right. My goal in life was to come back to Maine and to practice law privately. I had really no interest in politics. I wasn't involved in any way other than as a citizen. I voted, followed the news, but that was it. When I got out of law school, I wrote to 15 firms in Maine, uh, and I only got three responses. I got two interviewed me and uh, chose someone else over me, so I literally could not get a job practicing law in Maine. Out of a clear blue sky, uh, I received a letter from the Department of Justice informing me that I was eligible for a job in the Department of Justice under what they called the Honors Law Graduate Program. I had finished near the top of my class at Georgetown Law School, so under their criteria I was eligible for this job. I'd never heard of the program, and I'd never met or talked to anybody in the Justice Department. So it was, as I said, really a bolt out of the blue. Of course, I accepted it and spent a couple of years there and enjoyed it very much.
0: Senator, your name is synonymous to the rest of us from the other 49 with the state of Maine. And I know that you are very proud of your knowledge of the geography. Before there was Google Maps, there was George Mitchell. I know that you're very proud of your understanding of the lay of the land in your native state. So I- I've got one quiz for you. Are you ready? Okay. Warden Point Road. Warden Point Road. Ring any bells?
1: No. Uh, that's, uh, I- I've been in every town in Maine. I've been on every highway in Maine, but I don't think I've been on every If I road. tell you
0: it's off of, of Route 302, does it help?
1: Yeah, that does. That's uh, just out between Portland and Sebago Lake.
0: There you go. I was looking for Sebago Lake. We, we vacationed as a family on Sebago Lake a couple of summers ago, and I said, I, I think I better quiz Senator Mitchell and see if he, if he can hit Sebago Lake.
1: Well, because I've been up and down Route 302 three or two hundreds of times. I wasn't familiar with the Wooden Point Road, but I've been to Spago often. it's a beautiful spot. Do you, do, you have a, do you rent a cottage there?
0: We did. At Migas Lodge. I'll give them a shout-out. It was a hell of a place to stay. We loved it, and the oh, kids I knew, loved I, it.
1: I, I knew some of the family. It's, it's, it's a great place. A lot of people have gone there. I've been there to visit. I've never stayed there.
0: It's, it's, uh, yeah, it, it was a spectacular vacation. I recommend that everybody who's not had the privilege of going to Maine uh, to do so. When you're the chair of Disney... What are the perks
1: well i it coincided at a time in my life when I had young children. I got married after I left the Senate, and we had children. My son is now seventeen and my daughter fourteen, so I was kind of an older daddy and To be able to take my kids to Disney World and Disneyland uh, was really a great thrill for several years. Uh, I used to travel to California a lot because, as chairman. No, we had a lot to do Uh, and i would take my wife and kids in june and we would go to southern california and my kids for about 10 years believed that what california consisted of was disneyland sea (laughs) world legoland and the farm in uh, escondido where the animals grow uh they, they, they think that's it because that's what we saw in california and we loved it it was a great great time in my life and uh disney of course is a fabulous company. I I, I really think the world of the company, the people involved, it brings joy and pleasure into the lives of so many millions of people, and I was proud to be associated with it.
0: If you're the chair of Disney, I imagine you you get the Uber secret fast track pass. There must be a secret pass that you get if you're George Missel, the chair of Disney, where you're going through all those rides.
1: No, it's pretty much the fast pass that's available to Anybody who goes there, uh, once in a while, we might get a little assistance. But it's, it's pretty democratic, actually, uh, with a small d. Uh, pretty much the same that other people get. And We didn't mind. We liked it a lot.
2: This is the Book Club with Michael Sparkanish podcast from SiriusXM. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. So, what can you do in a super light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is where are you taking them? Experience how AllBirds redefines comfort. Visit AllBirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's ALLBIRDS.com code SUPER24. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app.
0: In The Negotiator, you tell the story about your first day in the Senate. You were in for a treat. There was a filibuster in progress. Paint the picture.
1: I went in not knowing what to expect, and uh, to my surprise, I was the only senator who actually attended uh, in the Senate while the filibuster was going on. One guy talked for about six hours, and since I was the only person there, he talked to me. And I sat there for probably 12 hours or so listening, and obviously I wasn't learning anything because it wasn't really a debate, just killing time. So I went over to one of the aides standing by the door, and I said, excuse me, I'm new here. He said, "Senator, that's obvious to everyone." Uh, <laughs> and I said, "Well, where do these senators go? I'm I'm here, thinking I'm tending to the nation's business." He took me around to a room behind the Senate. It's kind of like a combination of a waiting room. There's a library there, and there are a whole bunch of uh, these canvas folding cots set up of the type you see in emergency shelters. And I had to climb over other senators to get to an empty cot, and I laid there, and I started feeling sorry for myself. I'd just been in the Senate a few days. I Uh, I had given up a federal judgeship, a a great job, and a lifetime appointment, and I thought, here I am with a bunch of old guys sleeping here in our clothes uh, late at night. And as I wallowed in self-pity, I rolled over on this cotton. there right next to me, literally six inches away, was the face of Senator John Warner of Virginia, who at that time was married to Elizabeth Taylor. And I thought to myself... Who am I to feel sorry for myself? This guy could be home (laughs) in bed with Elizabeth Taylor and spending the night with me. You know, I didn't know him at the time, but we later became very good friends. He is a terrific guy. He was a fine senator, a fine guy, and uh, he likes it when I tell the story, too.
0: You were in the room when President Bush, George Herbert Walker Bush, nonchalantly decided he'd break his pledge of no new taxes He clearly didn't appreciate the significance of the decision he had just made.
1: I don't think it was a nonchalant decision. It may have been a nonchalant delivery of the uh, decision. But I think that members of his administration have thought about it long and hard and recognized that uh, there was no alternative to it. Uh, It was, I believe, a correct decision on his part because the initial pledge, I think, was not a correct decision. And so it was essentially writing uh, something that, in my judgment, had been wrong, although it clearly helped him politically in the election campaign. Uh, And we went on to reach agreement on a budget, although it took a long time and a lot of aggravation on all sides. And it was a genuine compromise. So we gave in to the president on many uh, important areas of the agreement. He made that concession. Everybody kicked in something. Everybody felt some pain, but it was good for the country. I I think one of the problems now is uh, there isn't a willingness to make compromises. That is, to concede the validity of some aspect of your opponent's point of view. And uh, for a whole lot of reasons, I think that's a loss for the country.
0: Senator Mitchell, you were the author of the Mitchell Report on the Use of Performance-Enhancing Drugs in Baseball. I'm curious as to your reaction to the Ted Wells report relative to Brady and the Patriots. I I sense you probably had some empathy with Wells, having been in a position of having to investigate the conduct of major sports figures. What did you think as the events have played themselves out in the last couple of days?
1: Well, when I issued my baseball report, uh, I, I was I didn't like it when I saw on television and read in papers people criticizing my report, obviously without having read it. Uh, And I'm in an odd situation now. I'm traveling the country uh, on a promotional tour of my book, so I have not read Wells' report. Therefore, I'm not going to comment on it until I do. I've requested a copy, but I haven't received it yet. I've read, of course, all of the, or many of the news accounts of it, and I've seen uh, analyses, both pro and con. Uh, All of them appearing to have some merit. Uh, So I don't really have any comment until I actually read the entire report myself.
0: And finally, for the author of The Negotiator, George Mitchell, you came into the United States Senate in 1980. You left in 1995. You were the Senate majority leader from 89 to 95. To, To what do you attribute the decline of civility in that formerly august body?
1: Well, first, there never was a period when it was all sunshine and roses. Uh, uh, I thought it was very hard when I was there, but I had a, an excellent relationship with Bob Dole, who was the Republican leader in the Senate. In fact, when I was elected Senate Majority Leader, one of the first calls I made was to Bob, and I went to see him. And I told him, we have to have some degree of trust and understanding between us, or our jobs are impossible. I set out really the most basic standards of fairness and courtesy. He was delighted. We shook hands, and to this moment never has a harsh word passed between Bob Dole and me. We disagreed on a lot. We debated, negotiated a lot, but it was done in a spirit of recognizing that our highest obligation was to the country, not to our political parties or to our own careers. I think that's missing somewhat today for a whole variety of reasons. I, I'm not a uh, political science or scientist, so I don't know if so I've got all the answers, but it seems to me redistricting has uh, been carried to an extreme now on both sides. I hope the efforts that have been underway started in Iowa and California, spreading to other states to take the politics as much as possible out of redistricting. That'll help some. Money is a huge factor, the tremendous infusion of money into our society has severed the bond of trust between the people and their elected politicians because everybody believes now that all politicians are responsive first and foremost to those who contribute to their campaigns not to the people who they represent and that's a re- that's a real loss i think i must say candidly that i think the supreme court decision in the Citizens united case will go down in history as one of the worst decisions made by any supreme court in american history They didn't create the problem. It's been there for a long time, but basically they saw a fire burning and they put some gasoline on top of it to make it worse. I think if we could change just those two things nonpartisan redistricting, somehow restrain the flow of money, especially the flow of secret money. That's what's so devastating about what's happened is is now we don't even know who's giving. That's really bad in the democratic society. If we can change those two things, I, I hope we'd get back some of the comedy that existed in the past. When, when
0: something like Citizens United, a case like Citizens United, is handed down from the Supreme Court, do you regret? not having been appointed by President Clinton. You discuss this in the book. He was going to nominate you to the Supreme Court.
1: Yes, he offered to nominate me, and I declined because I was then working on the health care bill, and I thought we had a real good chance to pass it. I was working with a a very close friend of mine, a great guy, John Chafee, who was a Republican senator from Rhode Island. We'd worked together on a lot of issues. We got along real well, and we were trying hard to figure out a way to combine what the president had proposed on health care and what the republicans had proposed they'd put in a counter bill and we were trying to merge the two i was obviously mistaken we we weren't able to do that and the president went on to name justice Breyer, who's done a great job so that's worked out very well About the only time I regret it is when I think about the Citizens United case. Not that I might have changed anybody's mind, but it it, it describes, the the Supreme Court opinion describes a political life in America that doesn't exist. It's a fantasy. Uh, It's as though they don't have any idea what actually occurs in the American political process. And that's the reality. The, the, The disconnect is huge. My hope is that a different court will reach a different opinion and put some reality back into the American political process.
0: Does visiting the L.L. Bean headquarters in Freeport ever grow old?
1: Never does. No. Uh, one of my college fraternity brothers was Leon Gorman, who was the grandson of L.L. L. Bean, who ran the company for many decades, a great guy, did a tremendous job uh, and it is an icon, uh, really a landmark, and I recommend it to everyone. I go there quite frequently myself, and I never get tired of it.
0: You just have to have a pair of those duck boots, don't you?
1: <laughs> well, a lot of other things, too. LO <laughs> Bean has got a lot of things. Not, not to say what is really attractive is doors that don't have locks on them. That <laughs> store never closes. You can That's go there any time, any day, any year.
0: Senator Mitchell, what a privilege. The book is called The Negotiator, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you for being here.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Senator George Mitchell's brand new book, The Negotiator, Reflections on an American Life. Have you been to that store? Of course you have. I have,
2: right. It's phenomenal, a, right? goes to camp in Maine, so we, we go up there and toot around and, you
0: know, whew, it's, it's, it's it? crazy. Camp, camp Nicanaki, what is it? Wyanagonic. Wyanagonic. W-I-O-N-E-G-O-N-I-C.
2: Why gonna,
0: did you go there too or how do you yes. know the song oh okay
2: oh you know i went there too dan oh yes oh, wow
0: when when, T- <laughs> when tc's great 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 grandmother <laughs> stepped off the mayflower she founded the camp dan and it of actually course, is the long ever the there
2: oldest thereafter. um girls camp in the united states continuously running girls camp in the united states wine is well i've been
0: Just to the ll bean store many a time never at two in the morning though i've always wanted to do that
2: I guess you can go. Is yeah. anything else open in Freeport at 2 in the morning or I, just L.L. Bean?
0: I think just L.L. Bean. Unless maybe it's one of the diners. Great. I don't know. It's an incredible store. It's an but incredible store. I got lost on the way home from it, but I it was an incredible store to visit. Yeah. yeah, worth it. Yeah. Just worth it. Just so much. But it's it's like going to a supermarket hungry. Yeah, it's, 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 it's dangerous. It's dangerous. Right. <laughs> I like everything. I I like every, I'll take three of these, and four you feel of like these. You need everything when you're there. You're like, my
2: new outdoor lifestyle starts right now. Yeah, I'm...
0: <laughs> If you've seen Caddyshack, even half the dozen times I have, there's a great scene where Rodney Dangerfield is in the pro shop, and he's, I'll take two of these, three of these, five of this. That's That's, That's me at L.L. Bean, yeah. It's right before he says, Mr. Wang, no offense. Great <laughs> line.
2: Book Club with Michael Smirkanish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Listen to the Michael Smirkanish program. Weekdays on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 and anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot code SUPER24. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms...